caption. I believe he's known as the lifestyle mayor around the country. He is the mayor of St. Paul, and I uh, affectionately call it the Carter country because of Melvin Carter. He's with us this morning. First of all, Your Honor, Happy New Year. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Always great to be on. Glad you're with us. When you think about uh, forgiving library debt, uh, the guaranteed income, the inheritance fund, ending medical debt, you're really focusing on what really matters most to the people in St. Paul. How is that being received by your contemporaries? You know, it's being received really well. You know, I think most mayors, most people know when we have a mayor's election come around, people vote for the person who they kind of, you know, like the most. But most people probably assume that their lives aren't going to change. For us, eliminating late fines in the libraries, eliminating participation sports for for youth participation fees for youth sports in the rec centers, starting college savings accounts for kids, piloting guaranteed income, and certainly forgiving medical debt is about demonstrating the ways in which City Hall can be relevant and important in people's lives. And so it, 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 it excites our team and we hear a lot of excitement from it. There's, of course, people who don't like it just because it's different and new and it's something that, you know, that they're not used to. But I think far, far and away, we hear people who are really excited by the approach. I never will forget the video when I saw Mr. Bradford on television. And he, yeah. he was so excited. I mean, you just cannot really characterize how excited that young man was, a resident of yeah. Rondo, to have his own house. His great-great-grandfather was one of the residents who yep. lost his property when the interstate came through. And I'll say it this way, and I hope you take it the right way, you changed his life. Well, I, I, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, and what we have to understand is that we changed his life twice. You know, the public sector, the government, you know, our community collectively changed his life uh, 50 years ago when we decided that he shouldn't be able to inherit the property that his great great grandfather worked hard to establish and to build. And so we were able to put back something that, uh, that I think we broke. And it's a perfect example of, I think, the ways in which some of the things that we do don't make any sense. We all know Rondo was wrong. We all know uprooting 700 families to build a freeway was wrong and that shouldn't have happened. We all know that they, you know, we, we've seen the studies that say that, you know, destroyed over $150 million in black wealth here in the Twin Cities. And we've said sorry, but obviously sorry doesn't get it. You know, that, that we there's an onus on us to do something to help to rebuild those family inheritances uh, that public decisions, the government programs uh, destroyed. Hmm. I'm curious to know I've, I've, a lot of the things that you've done so far. Um, are some of those things that they come about after you got into the seat? You know how you have an idea of what you want to do, the changes you want to make. Um, but when you get in the actual seat, you start doing the work where some of those things kind of like, you know what? I didn't notice this was going on. I didn't know that that was going on. We need to start focusing on this particular uh, issue in, in the community in St. Paul. Yes, I'm telling most of them actually. I mean, much of most of what we've done, I didn't really have in mind before uh, when I ran for office the first time. And it's a, a bunch of things. One, I have an incredible staff and an incredible team who I learn from every day. Uh, we have people in our community who call or write and say, "Hey, I'm up against this thing. Can you help us?" And we realize that it's not just that one person who's up against this thing. We gotta, we gotta do more. Um, if you ask about my contemporaries, you know, I'm, I'm headed out to be for the United States Conference of Mayors 
and I'm constantly just stealing and following what stuff the other mayors are doing. Uh, I tell folks a lot, you know, for pretty much most things, if you see something exciting that you like that we're doing, I can show you the city we stole it from. Um, but then the other piece, the other piece is the realities of the pandemic. That's changed everything. When we think about even medical debt, one of the things that we uh-huh. saw when we eliminated late fines in our libraries, people came back to our library and they used our libraries more. And it's pretty obvious that when you owe debt to a place, you're less likely to go to that place. Right. So when people owe medical debt, they're less likely to take their children for a doctor's appointment. They're less likely to go for their checkup. They're less likely to go when they think they have symptoms. And we learned in the pandemic that that makes us all less safe. So that's one of the pieces that people look and say, hey, cities don't usually do that. And I say, we don't usually have a 100 year pandemic either. Um, it's oh. our job to move into the future, not stay in the past. When I read that you're reading uh, Ending the Medical Debt, I was looking at the Wall Street Journal and it says Mayor Carter is single-handedly saving the lives of black families in St. Paul. Mm. How did yeah, that make really? you... I didn't see that. Oh, <laughs> well, now that you hear it, how, do, how does that sit with you when you hear something like that? Well, it's, 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 it's amazing to have somebody say something like that. The blessing of my life is I don't do anything single-handedly. We have a whole bunch of folks who uh, help in our Office of Financial Empowerment, and there's a national organization called RIT Medical Debt who's helping. Uh, Cleveland is a city we followed to do that, uh, that, that. They did that before we did, uh, and we thought it looked really strong, and we, and we built a proposal kind of behind it. But, you know, the truth is, you know, I, I wake up every morning, I ran for office, I do the work that I do for the purpose of uh, making a real tangible, real meaningful difference in people's lives. I know there are people in elected office who just want to be in elected office. To me, this this has got to be all about, you know, helping folks out. Um, Paul Wilson once said politics isn't about money and power gains. It's about the improvement of people's lives. And, you know, uh, there, there's no greater compliment than somebody saying that's what we're doing in office here. Good stuff. We're talking to Mayor Carter. Uh, and the People's Prosperity Program is something I'm personally interested in. And as far as uh, researchers evaluating the outcome of that program, uh, which ran from October 2020 to April 2022 um, yeah. and impacted participants who received $500 a month. Mixed reviews on the outcome of that. Talk about the program, how it came about and, and what people are. Um, what did you what were the what was the feedback from not only the people that were in the program, but people that were just on yeah. the outside, you know, watching how yeah. it unfolded? You know, sometimes that's another one that people look at and go, that's new. That's different. We didn't do that before. Um, but we launched that in the height of the pandemic. We had we, we when we launched that people were hoarding toilet paper and trying to trying mm. to hoard baby formula and things like that, you know, and we all knew that people needed more more money. And so we launched this program and said, listen, for low income families with very young children, uh, here's, you know, for a period of 18 months, here's $500 a month. And I'll tell you, one of the things that we did is we, we, we paid a little extra to make sure that we were able to do external independent evaluation of that. Now I get trolled on social media a lot by folks who want to, you know, talk about, you know, this or that and I, and I always look at them and say you know if, if you can't show me other elected officials who are doing independent evaluation of their own signature initiatives then you know don't I, I'm, I'm not super interested in your uh, critique of our independent evaluation but what we found out is 
And it's no surprise, what we found out is that a little bit of money can help families significantly. We saw families who increased their ability to uh, save money. We saw families who increased their ability to pay the rent and feed the ch their children and absorb a $400 uh, of, 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 of unplanned emergency. And one of the things that's been an amazing surprise that we've seen between uh, across the first two studies of this now, and I'm one of the national co-chairs of Mitch for Guaranteed Income, which is a coalition of uh, almost 150 mayors now. But one of the things that we're seeing is not only are people not losing, not leaving their jobs as a result of the, these dollars, they're actually increasing their employment because it's giving them the capacity to be able to participate in the workforce and the economy even more. I think what we're proving, the goal to me, Chantel, is to attack all of the rumors and all of the lies that we all learned about uh, poverty growing up. We all grew up knowing for a fact that if you give money to a poor person, they're going to spend it on drugs or they're going to spend it on alcohol. But guess what? 90% of the dollars that we've uh, distributed have been spent on food and groceries and rent and uh, necessity and clothes and other types of necessities for our children. We learned that people are poor because they don't work hard. But guess what? Nobody works harder than low-income Americans. We learned that people are poor because they manage their money poorly. But guess what? There's no better money manager on this planet than a low-income single black mom. And so that's part of and so we believe we've we've been losing the war on poverty because we've been fighting the wrong battles and so this is about understanding how poverty works so we can actually make the war on poverty start to work well final thought this morning and i mean we can go on because there's just so right. much yeah. happening i mean from the fireworks man i mean you can just go on <laughs> but <laughs> that's a whole other thing but uh, you're now uh, going to be presiding over a city council made up of all women. All seven yeah. women, all seven women ward uh, members were sworn in yesterday. They had dancing, music, and comments made by the new members. Uh, tell us the, what you think about this. I have an idea, but I have to ask because I'm a journalist. But uh, tell us what you think about this and what are the prospects for St. Paul with this type of collaboration? You know what? It's really exciting. I, you know, I, listen. I got sworn in the city council for the first time uh, in January of 2008, and um, I was, I think, the only one, the only council member under 30. I was the only person of color, and sitting right next to me was the woman who was the only woman on the city council. People would come into my office from all over the city, and they say, "Hey, I don't live in Ward One, but you're my city council member," <laughs> um, and I would know what they meant. And so to be able to look through City Hall and literally have just about anybody who lives in the city see somebody who they look and say, oh, I, 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 let me go talk to that person, um, is it, it, really remarkable. To be able to see a council that is not just a majority women, but all women mm -hmm. uh, is really exciting. It means that young people are stepping forward. Uh, people from every community and every corner of town are stepping forward to say, we want to be a part of this city's story. We want to be a part of this, helping move this city uh, forward. I'm really excited for the future. This is exciting. Okay, so final question for you this morning, sir. What's next? What's next for us? Honestly, what's next for us right now is trying to get this, uh, trying to get the medical debt done. We got it passed through the city council um, this past uh, last month, and so you know we have a lot of work to do to execute on it. Um, and I'll be giving my next state of the city address uh, on in February, I think. Um, and our goal is going to be to really lay out here's the next chapter, uh, here's where we want to go with our next city council, um, and you know as we build on all the things that we're really proud of over the last six years, um, you know we're, we, our, our goal. Is 
Dallas to use the State of the City address in a couple of, in a in a few weeks uh, to really call the play and say, here's how we're working together. I think we have a lot of work to do on housing. We have a lot of work to do to continue to realize our community first public safety vision, and we're going to keep pushing to just make sure people in our community have money in their po- our pockets and know how to make it work for them. All right. Of course, you'll come back and lay it all out for us after the budget's been released. And uh, let's talk about that again. All right. (laughs) Always. We'll be here. Check this out. He is the lifestyle mayor of St. Paul. Lifestyle mayor. He is Melvin (laughs) Carter of Carter Country. Freddie's got so many nicknames for you. I don't don't think you remember (laughs) your first name. (laughs) I'm just glad you're in the studio. You you used to... uh, you used to uh, boycott me when I was on the show. <laughs> no. Mel- no. Melvin Carter's coming, Chantel. I'm I, not going to be there. I was just off that day. I, I, I don't know what you want that's me to do. <laughs> I get off sometimes. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's fair. Know, that's what I deserve. You know, that's, it's, not, it's nothing personal. I, I, we love what you do. <laughs> Your Honor, before you I go, what, what would you like to say to the citizens of St. Paul before we have to say goodbye?